The following audio is from Hope Hill Church. To learn more about Hope Hill Church, please visit hopehillchurch.org. We started this series in the book of John about four or five weeks ago, and we're still in chapter one. Uh, but this has been uh, beautiful meat that we've been digesting together. The meat of God's word is life-changing. And so if you are new to our series, uh, we are beginning the study in the book of John, and we're going to be in it for the next year for sure uh, as we dive into the depth of a beautifully told intimate story of what a relationship with Jesus is all about. Uh, we started week one with looking uh, at John the writer of this gospel, telling us about um, Jesus. He didn't give us much of a background, a history, or a genealogy. He just dove straight in and said, in the beginning was God, and God became flesh, and his name is Jesus. And we then saw and were introduced to another guy named John, who happened to be a cousin of Jesus, six months older than Jesus. And John was out declaring to everyone who would listen, get your hearts right, the Messiah is coming. You see, the Jewish people had been waiting for years, hundreds of years, thousands of years for the coming of a promised one, a Messiah who would come and set them free. And when John showed up on the scene, John the Baptist, he was preaching with passion and it drove people to listen. Even the religious leaders of the day were curious about who this man was, and what his message was. They sent messengers to ask John, who are you? And John said, well, I'll tell you this, I'm not the Christ. I'm not the Messiah. I'm not a prophet. And they were like, well, are you Elijah who's come back? You see, 400 years earlier, the prophet Malachi in 4 or 5 wrote, I will again send Elijah to you. It had been 400 years, and they had, had not seen Elijah come back. And so people were wondering, is this Elijah? And John said, no, 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 I'm not Elijah. Even though Jesus said, Elijah came and you missed him, referring to John. John came in the same spirit of Elijah to prepare, to tell us to get prepared for the coming of the king. Today we're going to look at a couple disciples of that guy, John. John, even though he was a little crazy and a little bold and a little different, proclaiming to the masses, repent, get your hearts ready. He had some faithful followers called disciples who followed him. And today we're going to meet four of those disciples. And John is going to say to those disciples, no longer should you follow me, but the one I've been pointing you to, the one we've been waiting for, the Messiah, follow him. So Lord Jesus, right now I pray that as we look into your word, as your word looks into us, I pray that our hearts are open uh, to Your spirit's moving through the word this morning. In your name we pray, amen. John chapter 1, verse 35 and following reads like this. The next day, John, excuse me, I skipped a very important word. The next day, again, John was standing in the place. John would go to the same people, the same place, over and over again, declaring, get ready, the Messiah is coming. Many times I've said, John the Baptist didn't know his own Jesus, his own cousin Jesus was going to be the Messiah until one day while baptizing, Jesus stood on the shore of Jordan and John's eyes miraculously were open and he saw his cousin in a whole new light and he said, behold, my cousin Jesus, the son of a carpenter, behold, the lamb of God who comes to take away the sins of 
This next day, he's proclaiming that same message. The next day, proclaiming that same message. And that is the only message of the entire word of God. Behold the Lamb of God. From the beginning in Genesis, there was a promise that the seed of the woman would come and be the savior of all mankind. Every page from cover to cover is pointing us to Jesus, the Lamb of God, who comes to take away the sins of the world. The next day, again, John was standing with two of his disciples. We're about to meet two guys. And he looked at Jesus, John did, as Jesus walked by. And John said, Behold, the Lamb of God. Again, his message the same. My hope is that I'll get accused of teaching the same thing every week. Because if I'm accused, all you ever do is talk about Jesus, then I'm doing the right thing. That's what we're about here. John's message should be our message. The next day again, John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked as Jesus walked by and said, Behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. There's going to be a lot of following today. And my hope and my question is, what do you follow? Who do you follow? Are you following? Are you calling others to follow? They heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following him and said to them, What are you seeking? Jesus saw them following, and he turns around and says, What do you want? What are you seeking? What are you looking for? Who is Jesus? Who is he? Come on. Who is he? He is the Messiah. He is God in flesh. One of the words of God is being omniscient, which means all-knowing. Jesus knew the answer before he asked. And yet God in flesh still asks us the question, what are you seeking? In the book of Genesis chapter 3, we see the beginning of the fall of man. Sin entering the world. God made a perfect garden, and in that garden, he put everything that humankind would need. And he told Adam and Eve, you can eat of anything except leave this tree alone. But the tree was desirable. It was good to the sight. It seemed to be pleasing to the flesh. And there was a tempter in the garden in the form of a serpent. His name was Lucifer, the fallen one, Satan. And Satan, through the serpent, lured Adam and Eve into the fall. Oh, sure, God said you shouldn't eat the fruit. Sure, what did he tell you? Oh, you die? You aren't going to die. You're going to become like God once you eat this fruit. And so they broke God's heart. They broke his rule. They broke his law. And they went and ate of it. In that moment, they spiritually died. They spiritually died. The relationship they had with the Father, the Father is holy and in him, He is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. And at that moment, all of mankind, all of creation is cursed by the curse of sin. Sin enters creation. The Bible tells us through one man, sin entered the world. You and I are born with sin. And so Jesus asks the question, what are you seeking? What do you want? What are you looking for? God in the garden asked a very similar question. They ate of the fruit. Immediately their eyes were open, knowing good and evil, seeing them that, and, and, and learning that they were naked. They ran and hid, afraid of how God would respond. God walking in the garden 
comes and he says, where are you? How many of you have children? How many of you have played hide-and-go-seek with little ones? Aren't they the greatest at hiding? I'm going to come right over here, get down in the Okay, he won't see me. And you you go along, you know, oh, where are they? Where are they? You walk, you step right over them. Oh, they're, you know, you play along. I, although God's heart was broken in that moment, he knew where they were. God, the loving Father, still says, though, where are you? And he asks each of us, even though he knows where each of us are, where are you? Where are you this morning? Where did you seek me? We have a God who asks questions because he wants a relationship with us. He wants answers. He loves us. And yes, we broke his heart. We broke his law. And because of that, there are consequences. The Bible tells us that God disciplines those he loves. And yet he asks, where are you? Jesus turns and sees those following him and says, what are you looking for? The Bible tells us clearly that if we seek God, we will find him. In the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 4, verse 29, it says, but if from there on you will seek the Lord your God, you will find him if you seek him with all your heart and with all your soul. In Proverbs Chapter 8, verse 17, it says, I love those who love me, and those who seek me find me. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with your whole heart. Matthew 7, 7 says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. Acts 17, verse 24, um, Paul is speaking to a group of seekers. They are people who don't yet know Jesus. They don't know the God who made everything. But there are very religious-seeking people, philosophers and scholars gathering together discussing the beginnings of the earth and the meaning of all life. And, and, and Paul walks into their midst and sees that they're so religious that they have a, 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 a statue erected to every known God. And in the event that they somehow miss a God that they don't yet know of, there is an idol erected with the inscription on it to the unknown God. And Paul steps into the midst of those seekers. And he says, you're all going to hell. Is that what he says? No. He goes in and speaks the truth with love. And he sees them as God sees them, seekers. And he says, hey, I see that you're a very religious people. I've seen all the the works of art and and, and the statues. And I even found a statue that you've put up to the unknown God. I would love to tell you about that God. He wins the right to be heard. And he shares with them these words in Acts chapter 17, verse 24. He says, the God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth. And he does not live in temples built by human hands. He is not served by human hands as if he needs anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man, he made everything. All nations, that they should inhabit the whole earth 
and he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands where they would live. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and we move and we have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. So Paul echoes the promises of Scripture that if you if you seek after God, you will find him. And Jesus says, what are you looking for? What are you seeking? What do you want? They respond and they say, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He says to them, come and you will see. This is what Jesus wants. Jesus wants to have an approachable, intimate, honest relationship with us where we are drawn in and he says, come and see. Over and over again, we see this. Come and let the little children come to me. Lepers, come to me. Uh, The the downhearted, the broken, come to me. The demon-possessed, come to me. And I will give you rest. We have a God who invites us in. He's not distant and removed and waiting to crush us. He is loving and ready to pick us up if we will allow him. Come and you will see. So they came and they saw where he was staying. And they stayed with him for a day. Uh, It was about the 10th hour. That's about 4 o'clock in the afternoon. One of the two who heard John speak followed Jesus. His name was Andrew. Andrew is one who will later go on to see, becomes one of the close 12 disciples. The other disciple is never named in this book. Many scholars think it's the one writing this book, the disciple John. John and James, the son of Zebedee. Many think that John is with Andrew at this time. Andrew is there and he he sees Jesus. One of them was named Andrew and Andrew had a brother. His name was Simon. Later, his name would be changed to what? Peter, exactly. And it isn't much later from now. We're about to see it happen. John spoke, and the the two heard John speak, and they followed Jesus. His name was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon, so excited. You see, Andrew was a what to John? What did it say earlier? A disciple. John the Baptist was not just a crazy man off doing his own thing. He was pouring into others. He had a group of disciples, of followers of his own. And he was spending time studying the the scriptures that they had, pouring into those who were following, who were hungry, who were waiting for the coming Messiah. They were so primed and so ready that as soon as Jesus shows up on the scene and it's revealed that he's the Messiah, John goes, look, the one that I've been telling you about, there he is. Follow him. No longer is it about me. It's never been about me. I've been preparing you. Andrew's heart was ready. He was under the faithful leadership of somebody pouring into him. And this room is full of faithful leaders. And we are grateful for many of you who teach, who lead Bible studies, who lead small groups. Continue pouring into people's hearts, helping lead them to Jesus. John prepared Andrew's heart. 
Andrew and this other disciple saw Jesus and they were ready and they followed. And Andrew being so excited that finally the promised one, the one they had been waiting for had come, he went and ran and got his brother Peter. Simon, excuse me. Went and got Simon. His name's not Peter yet. Andrew comes back with Simon. They come back. He first found his brother Simon. He said, we have found the Messiah, which means the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. When was the last time you brought somebody to Jesus? How many of you still think that? When was the last time you helped bring somebody As a growing church, we hope to grow uh, numerically, not because we want to have some big crowd, not because we want other cool band members like Chris Glass to join us. Why do we want to grow? Because there are many people who need to be brought to Jesus. Jesus is the one who made us. He's the one who desires a relationship with us. He is the only one in whom we can find life and light and purpose and promise and hope. And there are many people in this world seeking something who have not yet found Jesus. Andrew, excited, found the Messiah. I've had many uh, teenagers over the years who, as a youth pastor, I was able to lead to Christ uh, go and tell their friends, hey, uh, you got to come check out this youth group. I- I've given my heart to this guy named Jesus. Uh, I've had adults who I've had the privilege of helping lead to Jesus. Go and tell a spouse or a family member or a coworker who helped in bringing people to Jesus. This is our mission. This is our job to help bring people to Jesus. Jesus didn't just come for the few and the proud. He came for the all. All who would receive him. And it's our mission, like Andrew, to run and to tell our Simon, to tell our coworker, to tell our neighbor, to love on them. We're going to see it happen again here in a minute with Peter. I mean, with Philip. Let's continue on. The next day, oh, no, let me not skip a very, well, I'm going to come back to it. It's another point. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. So I'm in verse 43 now. He found Philip and he said, follow me. And now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter, who we just met. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses and in the law and all the prophets, the one that was written about, the Messiah, his name is Jesus. He's from Nazareth. Remember that table that mom and dad built by that guy, Joseph? It's his son, the carpenter's son. We found him. And Nathaniel says, Nazareth? Nobody good comes from Nazareth. Philip was excited. He found the Messiah. He went and got Nathaniel. Now, many people look for the name Nathaniel, and sometimes we're confused. If you look at different accounts where the 12 disciples are listed, you don't see the name Nathaniel. If you look, you do see another name, Bartholomew. Bartholomew is Nathaniel. Nathaniel is Bartholomew. Same guy. 
Let's keep going. Philip finds Nathanael. Jesus invites us to follow him. He invites us to then find others who will also follow him. Each and every one of us should have somebody in our life. You do. You just, if you don't know it, your eyes haven't been opened yet to it. There's somebody that God has put in your life who he loves and he wants to use you to reach. And so in your notes, in the column of your Bible, in your margin, I want you to begin to make a list of people that you believe God may have put in your life so that you will reach out and help them find Jesus. There are people waiting to be found. We can't just sit and wait for them to come. We've got to go like Philip and Andrew went and got their brothers and brought them back to Jesus. He invites us to come and to be a part of the mission. And yes, some of the characters we're going to be introduced to in the Bible, they're a little sketchy. But what's awesome is that God is in the business of choosing the rejects, the unwanted people of the world to be a part of his kingdom. I got a little video that will bring some humor to this. You got that ready? Check this one out. All right, next up, um, King David. Thanks for coming, King David. What qualifies you to be our next small group leader? <clears throat> well, what was that word you used uh, before my name? Uh, king. Yeah, king, right. How many of those am I up against? My strengths. Uh, plagues. I'm pretty good with the staff. Can't decide who gets the last brownie? Cut it in two. Boom. Wisdom. Um, parting large bodies of water. Desert survival skills. Weaknesses. <laughs> Mountain climbing. Um, commandment retrieval. Does that look weak to you? And I can make a pretty mean goat sausage. Okay, I mean, maybe haircuts. Women. Whose isn't? <laughs> So I lied. I said my wife was my sister. They were going to kill me. <laughs> Why are we even getting into this? I'm just not sure we're comfortable with you in a leadership position. Look, it, it, Jesus Christ himself called you Satan. He was trying to make a point. Get thee behind me, Satan, I believe is the exact quote. Bathsheba. I knew you were going to go there. It was a rock to the back of the head. I really regret that it happened. And that's when you slept with the maid? My wife said she was fine with it. Abraham. What? Come on. Okay, timeline. Um, first I slept with his wife. No, 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 no. I didn't kill Christians. Then I lied to him. I was just watching people's coats. Then I had him killed, okay? They killed Christians. It's a long time ago. Besides, that was a different guy. That was Saul. I've <laughs> never killed anyone. What? You got somebody giving you beef? Huh? You need something taken care of? Where's the app? Yo, bring it, huh? Didn't you deny Christ three times? No. Nah, I'm pretty sure you did. No. Yeah, I'm almost positive. Uh, no. Okay, I did. Oh, never killed anyone. Why would you even ask that question? This is the guy. Hold on, I... I mean, I do have some questions about my qualifications. I've never been to seminary. Oh, you'll do fine. I really don't have a whole lot of experience. Do you love God? Yeah. Do you want to help people? Sure. Do you have a harem? No, I don't have a harem. <laughs> All right, we're good then. Thank you. 
Let me, let me think about this for a second. Alright, so I, I oh, hope you know wait those. Wait a second. Look who has them. Still got the tablets. I hope you get it. And for those of you who don't know any of that, I am really sorry that probably you're wondering what you just saw. The point is, is that nobody is too far from God. God invites all to follow him. Uh, there's nobody who's done anything that God can't redeem, that can't. God can't forgive, that God can't choose to use for his glory. And we hope that you can see yourself as somebody that God can use to reach others. To these disciples, God invites them into its midst to have a relationship. He, he, he walks through the last three years of his life, showing them all kinds of things, the miracles of heaven. Uh, let me show you what happens with Nathaniel. Nathaniel shows up on the scene and 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 as a skeptic, because um, Philip goes to him and says, hey, we found Jesus. He's from Nazareth. Uh, Nathaniel says, nothing good can come out of Nazareth. And so Philip simply says, come and see. And sometimes that's going to be a response that we have to be willing to give. Sometimes our friends are going to say, yeah, sure, you love Jesus, but what about this? And what about this? And you may not always have any answers. My encouragement is that your answer would be, you know what? I don't know the answer to that but why don't you just come and see and we'll figure it out. Why don't you just come and see and, and, and we'll talk to somebody and see if we can get that answer. Why don't you just come and see and, and maybe together we'll figure out that answer to that question. Come and see. It's that simple. Come and see. And so Nathaniel follows Philip and they go on into town to where Jesus was. And Nathaniel says, um, as they walk in, Jesus sees Nathaniel coming. And, and you got to remember back to Simon. When, when Simon came on scene, Jesus immediately saw him. Let's read back and see what happens, because I skipped that verse. He first found his own brother Simon, verse 41, and said to him, Now we have found the Messiah, which means the Christ. And so verse 42, he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him, that's Simon, and said, So... You're Simon, the son of John, right? From now on, you will be called Cephas, which means Peter, which means rock. If you look at Peter, he was anything but a rock. He was somebody who was always getting himself into trouble, always uh, impulsive, often putting his foot in his mouth, uh, striking out out of anger, losing his temper, um, saying things that would lead Jesus to say, you keep that up. Get behind me, Satan. Jesus calls you Satan. That's pretty big. Um, and, and yet Peter, Jesus sees something in Peter, in Simon. It says, sure, you might have a shaky past. You might be lacking confidence, but there's something about you. I know what I've called you to be. I have a purpose for you, and I'm going to make you strong. I'm going to make you a rock. And with your help, I will build my church. John, Jesus sees who we have the potential to be. And he says to Simon, I'm going to call you Rock, Peter. Nathaniel, Nathaniel shows up on the scene, and in a way that only Jesus, the Son of God, can, he knows how to meet each of us at our point of need. He knows what questions to ask, 
and what answers to give in each and every situation. And Nathaniel shows up as a skeptic, and in a sentence, Nathaniel's mind is changed forever. Look at what happens with Nathaniel. Jesus saw Nathaniel coming, verse 47, coming towards him. And Jesus said to Nathaniel, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. Nathaniel said to him, How do you know who I am? Still being a little skeptical. You're from Nazareth. Your dad is a carpenter. How do you know who I am? Jesus answers. Before Philip called you, I know where you were. You were sitting under the fig tree, and I saw you there. You see, Peter got so excited that he was like, man, that's Jesus, that's the Messiah, not Peter. Philip. Philip ran home and he probably found mom and said, mom, where's Nathaniel? I've got to tell him we found the Messiah. Oh, he's over there under the fig tree. He goes and gets Nathaniel who's taking a nap under the fig tree and says, wake up. We found the Messiah. His name is Jesus. He's the son of the carpenter and, and he's from Nazareth. And then uh, why are you waking me up? Nothing good comes from Nazareth. Come on. You just got to come and see. Come on. They get up and run, and Nathaniel walks in the scene, and Jesus says, Indeed, you're a man of integrity. There's no deceit in you. There's something good about you. Jesus sees in Nathaniel something (coughs) that he can use, (coughs) that he can work with. And Nathaniel looks at him and says, Who are you? How do you know who I am? Where did Peter find you? Where did Philip find you? I keep saying Peter saw you when you were under the tree. I saw you. At this, Nathaniel responds and says, Rabbi, which means teacher, you are the son of God. Just being told that one sentence, the miraculous being revealed, there must have been some distance away. There must have been something really powerful about this statement. You weren't anywhere around me. We just ran for I don't know, miles to come and find you and you're saying you saw where I was? You must be the son of God. No, not just that. You are the king of Israel. And Jesus looks at him, I'm sure with a smile on his face. He says, because I told you I saw you under the fig tree, you believe? That's nothing. Just wait. Wait till you get to see what you're going to see. Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see even greater things. And he said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. He tells Nathaniel, you ain't seen nothing yet. You're about to see the whole world change. And you know what? You're going to get to be a part of it. And this is God's invitation to us to be his disciples to leave our past behind, not letting our past, our our hang-ups hold us up, but to surrender and come and follow. And Jesus says, come and you will see. What are you looking for today? Jesus has it all. Where are you hiding today? God knows where you are. He knows what you've been through. And he loves you still. 
And his love is made available. His forgiveness is made available. His hope is made available. The life that he offers is made available to any who would receive it. Just come and see. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much that you are a God that loves, that you are a God that transforms. You don't leave us where you find us. You sometimes give us new names and new purposes. You give us a pathway to walk. You give us a direction in life. You call us to help others find you. And I pray that we as a church would not be content with where we are, but we would continually be on mission for you, asking others, have you found Jesus? Have you found the Messiah? Have you found the meaning of hope, the meaning of life? Lord Jesus, we know that you've come come to call all unto yourself. (coughs) You come to make us who you want us to be so that we can be used by you. These same disciples, who were many fishermen, you say to them, you will now be fishers of men. And that call is to each and every one of us in this room that know you as Savior and Lord, to go out and to be ready to draw others in, to know of your love and your mercy and your hope and your forgiveness. As King of kings and Lord of lords, our Lamb who died to take away our sin and the sins of the world, we worship you. If you're here this morning and you would say, Pastor John, I don't know where I stand with Jesus. I don't know what I'm looking for. I don't know where I'm at right now in life. I want you to know that there is a God who loves you. And if you were the only person on this earth, he still would have come just for you. And the Bible tells us that no matter how far you feel you are from God, there is no one too far outside of his reach and the stretch of his arms and he begs of you come and follow me this morning if you would say Pastor John I want want to follow Jesus I want to give my heart to him I've been living life my own way seeking for things in many different directions I need to come back to the one who came for me I give my heart to Jesus want him to come into my life and to make me new. If that's your prayer this morning, would you just raise your hand in the air? I want to say a prayer for you. Just raise it right now. Don't, it doesn't matter who is, I see your hand. Anyone else, it doesn't matter who's in the room, who's looking. Raise your hand. I need Jesus in my life. I'm ready to follow him. Is there anybody else this morning? Father God, I thank you for your love. I thank you for your forgiveness. I thank you that you are a God that comes down to meet us where we are. And then picks us up, restores us and transforms us and makes us who you want us to be so that we would then help others to come and find you as well. So Father God, transform us and use us to be your disciples, to be fishers of men. Father God, I also pray for those in the room who already know you as Savior and Lord. My prayer is that each of us would get serious about the mission before us and that we would not be satisfied with where we are in our walk with you, 
but that we would be continually doing all we can to draw closer to you, and not just ourselves, but those that you've put around us, that we would be used to reach out to our neighbors, our friends, our coworkers, those you've put in our life. Help us, God, to take this mission seriously. In your name we pray.